Welcome to the latest episode of Platform Podcast. Today's guest is Duran Bickmore. Who the hell is Duran Bickmore? I'm glad you asked. Duran Bickmore is one of the owners of Beehive Skate Shop, which is located in Salt Lake City. He is a co-owner along with Nicholas Swan, and they've been running it for a couple of years now, at least two or three years, and it seems to be going well. He is probably most well-known, though, for being the owner of the new Everything Company, aka T-Neck. They've released a number of frames and they've also released wheels. Most recently, they released a green pro frame from Michael Craft, which seemed to go down really well. And just as recently as last week, they announced a new skate, the T-Neck 58. It uses an old open source mold from the 90s, which has previously been used for the Razor's Impact, but they've created their own soul plate and frame combo in one piece bolted it on there it's going to be riveted so it's going to be a fully riveted skate two piece one piece two piece skate riveted together does that make sense yeah i think that kind of makes sense and it's going to be an entry level aggressive skate they've already put out pre-orders not really pre-orders if you bought a combo of the frame and wheels you got the skate for free so they're sending out i think it was 35 pairs of that and they're hopefully going to use that as a tester to then basically make it on a bigger scale and release more, which I think they're hoping to do this year. So much is going on with Duran Bickmore. He just seems like one of these guys who's got loads of ideas. I know the, the new Everything Company also released skim boards, and those apparently seem to do very well. So he's got the skate shop, he's got his frame company, they're releasing all these different products. And on top of that, he is also a very good skater. <laughs> He is a very, very good skater. If you've ever seen any of his Instagram footage, he has got some absolute bangers. So loads to talk about. What I find out more about the skate, what's going on with that, the reasoning behind some of the decisions that he's made with it. I want to find out about the shop, how it's doing, like if there's anything it's kind of like let them know about the industry or learn about the sport or how it's doing, stuff like that. And just talk about his plans for the future. He seems like a really interesting guy. Seems like he's got a lot of energy. So really looking forward to speaking to him. I don't know too much about him. So like you guys, I'll be learning as we go along. I've waffled on long enough. Cue the music. Okay, are we oh my God, I think it's working. Oh, hey, tight, tight. <laughs> How's it going? Oh, I don't know about this. You're looking all like executive here. You've got the. Well, right I, put on my, I put on my J Crew for this. Yeah, so. you, get, you get the polo. The hair, the hair's been done. You're sitting in the executive chair. I see what's going on here. Okay. Oh yeah, in the nicest room in my house. It's very official. <laughs> <laughs> Where is the right? Is this? Is this the same house that's got... I've seen you make videos before in which I presume is your house and it's all got wood paneling. Where's that? Um, it was That was my old apartment. I recently moved because I was in a situation where we had like skate shop one location, warehouse one location, my apartment another location. Right. So I combined it, my house and warehouse. So... 
I moved into just a regular house. The basement is where housing, the main floor is a house. Okay. Okay. Got you. Right. That's there is still wood paneling, still wood paneling in the basement though. So right. Yeah. I just I when I saw that, I just remember thinking of like like very like eighties slash nineties America when like I used to go and visit family there and there was just so much of that. And I'm like, wow, didn't know that was didn't know that was still a thing. Okay. Yeah, still thing. I love it. It's a great look. <laughs> <laughs> so uh congratulations, I guess, is an order. You've you know, we've got an oversaturated skate market and you've decided to add another option into the mix. Yes, more or less, yeah. <laughs> there um, was... What were you going to say? Oh, no, I was going to say, I don't know how quickly you'll want to jump into everything, but I agree with you, oversaturated core market. So I decided to do something a little different and yeah. Okay, that's like... okay. Um, I'm I'm not so sure about not so sure about the name the T neck fifty eight. I feel like I feel like we're missing a golden opportunity here. Now I'm going to give you an idea for free. Okay, you don't, you don't need to pay me anything. Yeah, you do know, like in America, you guys have Bic razors, right? Yes. Well, why why like come on now? Like there, well, there's a, there's an ultimate play on words there. The Bic, but the Bic could be B I C K razor. Because in its past in- incarnation, it was a razor skate. I this I didn't realize that, but funny you should say that because I did for like ten years, and still do. Except this is the last year we're doing it. Run a skimboard company called Big Skimboards. So, so what's going uh, on with this skimboard skimboard company? Why are you not doing that anymore? Because I remember Nicholas oh. telling me that it yeah. Yeah, just moving on to other stuff, uh, moving more into just rollerblade stuff. But the, I guess to to your point with the Bic name, I love the Bic name. It's great. But Bic, the razors and pens also have a- an action sport side of their company oh. where they did water sports and all that. So we didn't even realize until we started growing and then getting a hold of the skate shops and they were like, oh yeah, Bic, we bought their stuff a long time ago, but it wasn't good. So I was like, ah, crap. But, so that's why we, it would have been big skates and big everything, but we had to change the name because we started getting a hold of action sports shops to sell skinboards. And they're like, yeah, we don't want big stuff. We've done it before. And no way. Yeah. Right. Oh, there goes that idea. Don't use that. That's terrible. That, it, it'll very good idea though. Cause I had the same, it was great. It was a good idea. Good name, but you could, have, you could have done the advertising campaign in the same colorways. It could have been, could have been magical, oh, I, but yeah. I fully agree with you. I fully agree. Although then you might have pissed off Andy and then that, that may have had a negative effect on the shop. Yeah, that's true. So there's, there's these things you need to consider okay. cause you're, you're not just a brand owner, you're a shop owner. So, um, right. You've revealed the skate. It's obviously an open source mold from the 90s that people have seen before. For yes. the people who haven't watched the Instagram video, because it's like 70 minutes long, um, yes. like why why did you decide to create your own skate and basically go for that, go for that mold? Give us like the kind of like briefest rundown of of what your your thought process was. Yeah. So 
the basic thought process, apart from being wanting to be fully, fully involved in skating as like my only job and career and all that, uh, it was when we started opening the skate shop. So the skate shop is me and Nicholas Swan. When we started doing that, we realized that so many people were coming in, beginner skaters, either coming from skiing or just their friends skated wanting to get into the sport and they all asked for the same thing and it pretty much didn't exist so everyone asked for like a skate around two hundred dollars that ride that comes flat because it seems new skaters don't necessarily want to ride anti-rocker i don't know if that's coming from we get a lot of skiers or just i don't know but they don't want to ride anti-rocker it seems so they want an all black skate two hundred dollars flat lightweight nothing can go wrong and there are some pretty good options like the razor's colt that's definitely the top. there's like a few like there's the there's the rossi's m12 you can yes, get the, you can get those for under 200 you can get the usd sway for under 200 and you can get the razor's cult those are three pretty solid skates yeah no, i agree i think the probably the best of those options is the sway because that does come flat so that comes very close. I mean, it's a great skate. The M12 would be great, but it comes with plastic spacers and six millimeter bolts. So it's just super slow. It's very sluggish. So okay. whatever. Skiers don't like it because they do like ramp training and stuff. And it's just a slow skate. And then the Razor's Colt. I mean, I love the Colt skate. Like that's the skate I mainly skate. So I, I know. I remember well. Yes. Yeah, and that yeah, that's our most popular selling skate is the Colt. So there were pretty decent options, but we thought hey, we can make it a little bit better. And if nothing else, like if the skate's a total failure everywhere else, and we only sell it at our skate shop, it would still be worth it. So okay, yeah. just trying to make an even better market fit for the entry level skater was the whole goal behind it. Right. I was I was wondering about the black aspect to the skate. I was because it's, I'm assuming it's mainly men that are asking for it. Then, if they just want a black skate, because I would have thought, well, this, this is probably going to come off as sexist, but I would have thought a black skate would be a just purely black skate would be quite off putting to like female customers. They'd be like, really, can we not get something a little bit more neutral? No, I yeah, I agree with you. A lot of and that's kind of why we did we got the skate right here. That's why we did like a pink wheel, because we're like, eh, girls might like the pink, whatever, but it's not super off-putting um for aggressive skating girls. The main thing is beginners like walk in the shop and then they see fancy like the base them skate and they look at it and they're like, Oh, I love that skate. But like, I'm not good enough to wear it yet. Just give me something subtle and black. So and that's men and women, they want colors, but they're like, oh, my first skate, I, I have to do black because I got to earn fancy colors, you know? <laughs> so it's kind of a weird, a weird thing here, but that's most people's mentality starting out. Okay. It's like, I got to earn a fun color. <laughs> oh, so I feel like unless you're a bit of a moron or if you've got too much money to burn, you don't really want to spend like five, $600 on a pair of skates when you don't know if A, you'll be any good at it, or B, you're actually going to fall in love with it? Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. It happens sometimes, but most of the time, yeah, people are just looking 
under 200 250 ish right okay um i understand I, I, there, there's right so there's some design choices i get and there's there's some that are a little bit of a mystery to me so we'll start we'll start with the positives i understand why you went with the kind of fifth element soul plate because like valo and roses have used it and it is i mean i skated I've skated both Fallow and Roses and loved the soul plate on both of them. But it was wildly heavy. So I'm curious to know, that, like, even on, I would actually say it's like the deal breaker for me when it comes to the fifth element because the boot is so soft, but the soul plate is so heavy. I hate it when it does that now. Um, that it, I feel like it torques the skate. It, like, like contorts it and like you can basically stand there and just put your ankle to the side without even bending your knee how did you manage to get around that with having the same shape or like inspired shape but get rid of all the bulk yeah so we pretty much just again with shape wise basically like it's fat on the toe fat on the heel like it doesn't go super thin cut in so shape wise is basically where we took the inspiration from in terms of the bulk a lot of the bulk comes from just it's just a fat plastic um the soul plates are super thick on the fifth elements yeah and they probably don't need to be that thick but yeah so we just pretty much designed a thinner soul plate a lot less plastic on the inside like the inner workings of the soul plate has less plastic in it so it's super lightweight but it's just fat as the fifth element because we wanted a fat soul plate so okay a lot of a lot of the bulk comes from two when you or a lot of the bulk cutting comes from when you combine a frame and a soul plate all the middle of the frame can be eliminated and most of the middle of the soul plate can be eliminated so that cuts down on weight a lot too Okay. Yeah. I mean, the skate too is the like kind of by far the lightest skate on the market because of the one piece soul frame. That is kind of like when I, I saw you saying that, like it was, you compared it to like, I think you said it was like comparable to a size seven SL or something. And I was like, that's crazy that even it's going to be even lighter than say something like an Aeon, which is essentially like, the skinniest plastic skate you can get and has nothing really well again doesn't really have anything on it yeah so that's yeah that's that's pretty wild yeah it is wild um and we didn't expect it like we didn't we knew it was going to be light but we didn't expect it to be so light but yeah just super lightweight a lot of weight reduction comes too because we're not um bolting any components together so bolts are way more heavy than rivets because they're two parts super heavy metal just all throughout So there's no bolts on the buckles, cuffs. There's no UFS extra bolts. It's just the sole plate rivets. So that saves a lot of weight as well. But yeah, that's that. Um, I like the choice of boot that you went for because I feel like there's definitely underutilized molds from the 90s and loads of people go, oh, it's a razor's mold. But thing is, like people also call the cult a razor's mold and it's not a razor's mold. It's just they've made it famous. It, it's not theirs. Um, Yeah.
but I was I was curious that the first time you're kind of presenting it to the world, you're presenting it in quite a kind of unfinished form, which feels yeah. like a dangerous tactic. Yeah. yeah, I yeah. No, I kind of agree with you. Because it's kind of hard to get like an initial image out of your head and you go, well, that yeah. doesn't really look finished. And you've said that there's a few things gonna be different here and like and then you've got like just the empty rectangle box that people are used to seeing rectangle box rectangle um uh, that people are used to seeing either rollerblade or roses in there or when razors did the impact they tried to shove like a non-rectangular logo in there and it just looked so yeah. weird um, I think that box is bad in general <laughs> but, so how are you getting around that are the you, box are, are you doing anything like is there anything you can do about it? Like, we, yeah, we're thinking of doing one or two things. We're not going to do anything from it from the factory. Our two ideas are we will either put in the box like a sticker sheet where you could just put whatever design you want in there out of like four or five designs that we have. So that's one thing. Just include a sticker sheet and put something there if you want. You don't have to. Or include like a paint pen that matches the wheels in the box. But that could be dangerous with shipping. We'll have to test it. So just based on like from the factory, it's going to be blank because we've tried a bunch of stuff and everything looked so stupid. So so there's not even there's not even because I know that obviously like when them got the 908, they like they had managed to kind of discuss with the manufacturer about changing things like they made the curves a little bit less dramatic and garish. There's no there's no like leeway with a the Chinese factory like, can we fill this in or like make this disappear? Or there's like no. Yeah. There is leeway and we're actually going to do. So it's an open source mold. And in the future, probably for the third run, maybe even for the second run, depending on how it goes, we're just going to open a whole new mold, very similar design, but get rid of stuff. like get rid of that box and all that. So. In the future, it won't be there, but for now, what do you, eh, what do you mean? What do you mean? Open a whole new mode? What does that mean in dumb person speak? Like oh, it's uh, so we're just the factory has the mold already made, right? Yeah. So they sell this skate to a bunch of different people. So we're gonna tell the factory, hey, make essentially the same skate, but a little bit of changes, and only sell it to us, right? Right. Okay. So, Got you. Yeah, they've agreed to do that, but again, you know, they can't. Well, they could do it up front, but it'd be a lot of money. It's better yeah. to just get it out and improve as we go, you know. No need to get everything 100, 100%. It's just getting it out and yeah, changes as we go. All right. Okay. But, um, that's oh, we hate this stupid box, man. It's so bad. But I think that was when I watched the video, there was I was looking at it and I was like, all right, the texture is going to be different in the skate, but I just couldn't stop looking at that rectangle being like it's quite glaring that that just looks yeah. like it because everyone knows that in any other skate has got something inside it. And yeah. There's nothing there. So it's like, what's going on? Um right, okay. So Another another part that um so I understand why you've got the riveted on like you said loads of people come in and have complained saying complained about losing UFS bolts or you even told a story about someone saying 
they lost the UFS boat and their skate just sat in their garage for years because they were just like, meh. Um, so I, I get it from that perspective. But do you worry that essentially forcing someone to skate a T-neck frame limits, could limit like how well the skate will sell? Because obviously the frames have been out for a while now. A bunch of people yeah. have tried them. Some people love them. Some people are like, they take quite a lot of breaking in or some people are like, I just couldn't get along with them. Do you worry yeah. that that alienates those consumers that would perhaps like to try the boot but don't want to skate it with that frame? Yeah. Uh, no, it will alienate them. They won't want to skate it. <laughs> but again, we're... You're like, I don't care. Uh, yeah, it's kind of the... For the future, we're going to do more of a like court skate where we'd probably either go UFS or figure something out. But for this skate, again, the audience is mainly entry level skaters. They've never heard of T neck. They've never heard of razor. They've never heard of anything. They don't really care. They just want a good skate, good price flat. It So that's kind of our main focus. Um, but even with that being said, there is a portion of the core skaters that are really going to like the skate. And there's a larger probably portion of the core skaters that aren't going to like it because they want a different frame. They want to be able to change their sole plates super a lot. So yeah, if you're core, we figure like maybe five to 15% of core skaters are going to be like, oh yeah, it's sick. And then the rest are just going to be like, well, we don't care about it you know so right that's a right again that's a bold strategy especially when you've already started to build up your reputation with beehive t-neck has got a good reputation especially considering the people you support people like michael craft and stuff like that giving them a frame you're obviously a very good skater like i've watched your instagram stuff for a very long time so like doesn't I feel like it's it's quite interesting when so many brands come in, try so hard to just cater to our current pool of skaters, which isn't that big, especially not like practicing skaters. Like if you yeah. go on those like Facebook groups, they've got like tens of thousands of members, but then when they do a poll and it says, how many of you guys actually rollerblade? <laughs> the yeah. numbers are kind of disturbing. Oh, it's, it's, just, it's just people wa watching instead of participating, which doesn't help with sales. Um, like it's if if it works, it's fantastic because you're basically capturing a new audience, and you could be, yeah. you could be the person that like associates your brand with this sport. You know, if if their yeah. first pair of skates or T neck skates or the new everything company skates, they'll they'll go right. That's that's the aggressive skate brand or street skating brand or whatever. But it's yeah, it's. It, <laughs> That it's a very risky tactic, and how many how many of those people are there? Because I, like, I I just feel like I I don't feel like, like how many of the entry level skaters are there? Yeah, I don't feel like we've got any way to gauge that. If that makes sense, like oh, if you're on a skate shop, you got a good gauge on it. <laughs> true, true. So, like, yeah. what what kind of percentage of people? I mean, obviously, I'm not um, expecting you to have exact stats, but like, how? Get to, do you have yeah. like an idea of how many of these kind of people are coming in or that you could sell to? Yeah, we got a really good idea. Um, and of course, it's just based on mainly based on our shop sales. But I've also talked to 
as many shop owners as I can as I can get a hold of and you know discuss it with them. But from us and from most shops, from what I'm hearing, it's like fifty percent of skaters of people buying skates are not core skaters, which is very surprising. I was surprised myself, but wait a minute, so buying are- all skates or buying just agro skates? Because I imagine there's loads of people buying recreational skates. Oh yeah, when it comes to aggressive skates, probably like yeah, fifty to sixty percent of the sales are non-core skaters people buying their first pair of skates people casually buying it like that so i'm very surprised to hear that i i no, I, it is surprising i was surprised as, too yeah as obviously someone who doesn't know anything about that aspect of the industry i would always have assumed it would have been return customers or people who've or maybe not have a great knowledge of products but people who are like repeat buying skates as opposed to having an influx of first timers or new people yeah 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 there and there is so with the core people there are a lot of return customers so for example let's say we sell a hundred skates 50 percent are non-core it'll be 50 different people buying it right and out of the 50 core skaters it'll be 20 people that buy two or three pairs of skates so with the core it's less people but they buy more with the new people it's just individuals buying skates for the first time and eventually they you know a percentage of those people do move to be core skaters and get more into it and all that but right so how how like what's going to make them go for an entry-level aggressive skate as opposed to just picking up a standard i don't know 80 millimeter 90 millimeter cruiser skate that they can fly around the town in or go on like friday night skates on just if they, a lot of people know they want to do grinds. So it's pretty much right. just not everybody, but let, you know, a customer comes in the store and they're like, I think I want to skate. That's pretty much how it goes. They're like, I want to do it. And then it's always the question like, okay, do you want to do tricks and grinds or do you just want to cruise the city, not worry about grinding? And then some people are like, oh no, I saw grinding. I want to get in the skate park. Some people are like, oh, I just want to cruise the city. So then we don't, they don't want aggressive skates. They'll just get a regular skate. That's, that's kind of crazy to me that people are like, oh yeah, I've seen, I've seen like, I've seen grinds, I've seen street skating. I want to do that. Cause where the hell are they seeing it? Like I, I started, I started in the nineties. It was everywhere. <laughs> like, TikTok and YouTube. Okay. Okay. So for all these people saying that social media is killing rollerblading, it might actually be the like largest recruiting tool we've got. Dude, you know the stuttering skater? Yes. He's doing the most for rollerblading. Sales-wise. Sales-wise? Okay. What, yeah. How do you so, mean? Well, coming in, they're like, I saw it. Do you know the stuttering skater? And I'm no like, way. oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm really bad at like actually looking at like what other people do in terms of like numbers and stuff like that. So I've got no I I've seen like I've seen he obviously has like popular videos, but I didn't I didn't realize the scale of it. Okay. Yeah. And I mean eventually again, there's like you and me are very much core skaters. And I didn't realize before doing a skate shop just the vast two distinct markets, yeah. core skaters or casual aggressive skaters like in my mind that almost didn't exist was like a casual aggressive skater buying skates for the first time so 
the casual skater will see stuff on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and be like, oh, crap, I want to do that. And wizard skating. A lot of people see wizard skating stuff. All right. Want, so. I would have thought that would have been like the niche of the niche. I would have thought that would have been like, that's, that's very surprising. Okay. This, this chat so far has illuminated to me that I know nothing about the rollerblading industry or customers. So it's very good that I don't have a business within this sport because I would have ran it clean into the ground. Um, Another complaint that people always have about stock skates is wheels, though. And I feel like you've not addressed that issue because you've said you've went for the cheap option with the wheels. So surely if one of the biggest complaints people have about skates is stock wheels, putting stock wheels on them is... Not not a good option for a core product. <laughs> no, I agree. Um, like I'm going to switch out the wheels unless I'm skating a wooden skate park, then I'll keep the wheels because they are more grippy. I do like a 92 or 93. So yeah, if you get this skate and you're a core skater, you could skate the wheels, but they'll probably last two months. Um, we are when the skate releases going to have an option to buy it without the wheels for the core but yeah mainly it's just going to be this their wheels they're not super crappy wheels yeah like we tested a bunch of wheels and some were so crappy they lasted one session at the skate park and like that's not gonna fly so they're not ultra crap but if you're again if you're a core skater just buy like something poured in america or something buy a dead wheel buy we sell the court wheels if you want a fast wheel Buy something like that. Right. So. What, 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 makes you th- what makes you think a core wheels a core skater is going to wear through the wheels faster than a beginner skater that's trying to learn how to grind? Maybe they're going to punish the skate more. That's true. But if you're like a beginner skater and you do end up wearing out these wheels, that's great because you love skating and then you'll just come in and you'll buy more wheels and then you'll eventually buy more skates and, you know. Okay. Okay. Right. I hear Again, you. those... A lot of decisions on this skate were uh, the main, again, the main focus is just entry level. And because of that, some stuff is not going to be great for core skaters. The wheels aren't that great. Again, the liner, like yeah, every core skater should probably change the wheels for sure. And most likely the liner. Like if you own an intuition liner, just put that in there. So yeah, yeah I, I do feel, yeah, most most stock liners unless you get like a pro skate or something do tend to kind of suck i would say that's one of the things that hurts rollerblading the most like with skateboarding stuff you can step onto a skateboard that is not the perfect size for you and be okay or with a bmx you can just raise like the saddle or something like that with skates i've skated for like 20 over 25 years 26 27 years and I can count less than 10 skates I've ever owned that didn't hurt my feet. Yeah. Like as in, not like, not as in crippling pain, but as in something, yeah. something wasn't right. Yeah. All throughout. And not even like, it's not like, oh, that was only in the beginning. I've, I've sorted it now. I will still get skates and I'll put my intuition liner in it and they'll still be like, oh, no, that that doesn't do a nice thing to ar- the arch of my foot or like that's really crushing my the tip of my toe or like so I, yeah. I feel like that's like the hardest thing to address in a skate especially because everyone's foot shape 
you can say, oh, I'm a size nine, and someone else goes, I'm a size nine. Those are two entirely different feet. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. That, so. yeah, <laughs> that's that's issue. Um, I think to that point, I think that's one reason why it's good that there's so many skates out because you can find something that works well enough. I, and no, I don't know. Yeah, no skate's going to be super perfect, but um, yeah, it's just all about finding the right fit, really. And the, you- I mean, this skate in general is a pretty good fit. We, you know, we're happy. It's, we have a ton of people try it on. So like if a rando just comes in on the shop and, you know, we're friendly with them, we, we have brought it up a lot of times, like, oh, I just curiosity, you know, test out this boot with the liner fits. So for this skate, it's a pretty universal fitting skate, but again, it's not going to fit everyone's foot. So I I heard you kept, you kept using that term universal fitting skate. And I'm like, what does that mean? Universal fitting awesome. skate. Yeah, I've never heard up. that term before ever. <laughs> maybe, I, maybe I made it up just to sound fancy, but it's like, just. Have, have you just? I was like, have you just created a new meaning for UFS? Because that's not. I was like, was universal. Oh, yeah, no. System. <laughs> no, it's just not. The main thing that skates go wrong with is they're too narrow side to side, or they're too pancaked. Yeah, um, and these are wide side to side. Not as wide as the fifth element, but they're wide and they're not super pancaked. So because of that, they're going to fit a lot of people's feet in terms of like, it's not going to be like a shift where almost no one fits in or a Rosie's where it's not really working for a lot of people's feet. So it'll be more like a sway or a them where it's like, okay, this fits. Like it's not right off the bat hurting my foot. Right. As someone who obviously you skated cults for ages, we've discussed that briefly in the past in private, that we'll go no further with that. Um, and someone who's now skating the 909, how does how does the T-Neck 58 compare to like the cult and the 909? Um, the are you talking like each individual size or just I just general? mean like in your like in your personal experience, like the fit. Yeah, it's wider than a cult, so that's the main reason I had to quit skating Colts is the older I got, the more it just didn't fit. So a size seven Colt started to hurt my feet. So that's why I'm at the 909. The 909 is a little bit wider, which is great. So this fits very similar to a 909 lengthwise and height wise. Right. It is a little bit more narrow right here. Okay. So like that far, but it's not definitely not as narrow as like a Rosie's or, um, or a shift. So if it's, I would say similar to a 909, it might even have a little more room side to side, just right here. Okay. Um, but that's that. And then in general, each shell size is a little bit shorter than like it's equivalent Colt boot. So. All right. Okay. Um, I saw you were, when you did the video, I saw you had like some kind of prototype and it was like a pale blue. That that color, I love how you're like, oh yeah, we're we're not we're not deviating from black. The color yeah. of that prototype you were holding looked pretty nice. <laughs> no, it was cool, yeah. And they sent us also like a like a mellow tan brown 3D print for fit testing, and that was sick too. So like as in a Jeff Frederick color tan. Oh, I don't even this is bad, but I don't even know who that is. You don't know who Jeff Fredericks is. 
USD pro Jeff Fred like in the nineties had a section in coup d'etat no, from Philadelphia. I didn't even start skating till the two thousands. Duran, how old are you? Thirty one. Holy crap! You just made me feel ancient. You you've <laughs> never heard of Jeff Fredericks? I know I've heard his name thrown around, but if you say like, oh, it's like a Jeff Fredericks color, I'm like, dude, I don't even know. Okay, okay. But I think I remember. I think in my mind, if you're saying the brown USD, I think I'm picturing the right skate, but I could be so off. They used to be called hot tan joints, and they were they were very nice. And USD never revisited that color. I uh, do like the color of like a. A light brown tan. There was a cult that was similar, like an earthy brownie green, if I remember. Oh, but, I do know the one you mean. Yeah, that, well, we will, yeah, we will do fun colors eventually, but that's more when it gets into like creating a skate that is a core skate. Right. We will do fun colors. So for Earth. the fifty-eight as this iteration, it's always going to be a black boot. Right. That's okay. Um, but, Eventually, we'll do fun colors for people's pro skates and this and that. So, when I spoke to Michael Kraft, he said he was going to be involved in a new uh, project in the new year. So, is this is the new project that he's going to be involved in the T-neck skate? I don't know if that's what he was referring to, but it could be. He is definitely. We're going to send him skates and tests, and hopefully, he likes them because we would love to have him ride the skates. If he doesn't like them, you know, whatever that. That's fine. It's a bummer, but okay. yeah, we definitely want as involved as he wants to be. That's as involved as we're getting, though. That would be a good score, but the problem is, you know, he's still slacking on his his pro frame promo. Just saying, he's still. I really wish um, that no. thumbs up thing. Oh, it's my thumb. It's there. Oh, it's, it's that that's doing it. You do a thumbs up. Does it do I'm it? doing it to myself, idiot. <laughs> right. That's why I've now got the mystery of that. Um, yeah, his pro frame's been out for ages now, and he's still not dropped a promo. I keep pestering him like every other week, being like, "How how's yeah. the clip? How's the clip count coming?" And he's like, "Oh, we got something." And I'm like, "Just something. Just put, like, get get yeah. to work." <laughs> so I've gotten I got a rough draft of the promo, and it's really freaking good. But he wants to make it better, and I guess from my perspective too, I'm not pushing him. Like I've told him. Hey, take your time till about March where it starts getting warmer. So right. as yeah. long as, you know, as long as we don't end up with a Karel Galushko situation where it just never comes out or a, or a Marius Gale situation where he just, he just doesn't yeah, drop one. You know, like, so, you know. Yeah, no, it's definitely coming out. I've seen it and it's like, I think I saw about a minute, maybe a little bit more than a minute of it. Uh, yeah. There's some wild stuff in there that I was like, I don't know. Like I could never get my body to do anything like that. It, okay. Yeah. So. Um, knowing knowing what a perfectionist he is and how much he hates his own skating, if he's actually willing to let those be put together in some kind of video, then they've they've got to be of quite a standard because he he very much puts his own skating down quite quite a lot. Um, a lot of good skaters do. If, from what I've seen, though, it's like Michael Kraft, like the classic skating, but on. A lot of stuff is on bigger street spots where it's like, oh, I've seen that on a park obstacle, but like, ah, crap, he's taking it to a big street spot. Right. Yep. Yep. That makes sense. Also, I will say, speaking of big street spots, I watched your section in footwork. Oh, God. Big front <laughs> unity on that kink trail. Yep. 
that was so good dude so well executed that's 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 all <laughs> i've got you on that i was like jeez louise dude i mean every other clip was also a fall but yeah i had to I had to fill the space somehow there was a lot of there's yeah, there a lot of time good. spent on the concrete um that's that's cool so see when you say we who's who's involved in the new everything company like who's is it is it just you or have you got someone helping you just yeah. for the skate or do you have like other people who are part owners of the business like how does it work so in terms of i guess ownership right now it's just me um I might bring in other people depending, but with that being said, there are a lot of people helping. So um, I have a twin brother who also skates, right? And I've he's a that, yeah. yeah, so he helped a lot with initial design, like of the frame. He does a lot of design stuff just in general, if there's like something that I can't do, because I also graduated in design, but I'm not really that good. <laughs> so okay. there's something that I can't do. I'm like, Hey, Harvard, can you do that? So my brother, twin brother, Harvard's involved in terms of mold designs and everything. The, another skater involved, Dylan Anderson, super good skater. And his career is like 3d design modeling. He does right now. He's working for this company called arc. It's like, the Tesla of speed boats. So it's an electric speed boat. He's designing that. Okay. So very big boy stuff. And he's yeah. the Dylan Anderson. He's worked, he works on all the molds and everything. So any 3D mold stuff he does. He's very happy. There's probably like two skaters, him and Solo that does that. So I was about to say, like, is this is this his like is this like the design version of charity work? He's just like doing it, doing it for the for the love. I mean, we pay if, a little bit, but not I mean, not as much as the boat people are paying. That's us. what I'm saying. It's not it's not speedboat money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. And he definitely like, and he'll do the work up front, like with. Oh, I can't remember if I paid him up front or not, but I'm pretty sure with the frames that was the first project that we had him do. It was pretty much just like he did it and then got paid once the frames came out. So he was, you know, willing to work and get paid later so yeah not quite charity but very lenient very lenient how did how did you know you wanted to go with that frame design because again that is that's a frame design that a lot of people would kind of steer away from like a kind of angular aesthetic especially when it comes to like the h block and stuff like that because obviously you've had brands like able and stuff like that in the past or like brands that have like where that hasn't worked out as well so what made you what made you decide that was the route you were going to go down for the frame yeah. Um, okay, I'm going to answer that in two seconds, but I would feel super bad if I also didn't mention Nicholas Swan, who I do the skate shop with. <laughs> he also helps a lot with the skate in terms of just general advice, testing, design, like just everything. So Yeah, but his, his opinion doesn't matter because he's not he's not a core skater. He's not he's perfect. Not, he's not an aggressive perfect. skater. As he keeps he keeps telling everyone he's not he's not an aggressive <laughs> skater. And he, sells so good. He, he drops way more grains than I can ever do, but he's not an aggressive skater. Yeah, I'm aggressive skater. No, no. Yeah. Nicholas, if you watch this, you you suck at aggressive skating. That's that's that, right. <laughs> um I saw his I saw his clip the other day where he just casually goes through it looks like your warehouse and just true porn's perfect along your your little oh. uh, like coping box thing. And I'm like, seriously? Yeah, is so that 
Is that even like the first one he's done in like months or something? That's like oh yeah, that was probably the first one he'd done in four years. That's so infuriating. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, he's good. Um, but that's that. So yeah, Nicholas has also helped out a ton in that wise. I didn't right. want to leave dust, but in terms of okay, frame design, like initial frame design, it just pretty much came from I was super unsatisfied with every frame out there so i heard you saying that like there wasn't a single frame that you liked, and i'm like out of i feel like there's literally an option for everyone in terms of frames what is it about all the current frames that you didn't think worked for you yeah the main problems were will bite on rails was an issue so i really really liked the there's two frames that I really like skating flat was the mega frame, but the problem was the H block was too high, so that would like made technical tricks scary. Like I wasn't gonna 270 back torque a rail because I couldn't. But other than that, I love the mega frames, but too high of an H block. And besides that, I love the them street frames. That's probably my favorite frame besides the frame we have. But with the them frames. Super great on ledges, no wheel bite, but I skate a lot of rails and I kept getting wheel bite on rails to where like if I shifted my foot at all, like switching up or if I didn't hook quite right, if it went on any angle, because there's no protection on the wheels, it would just, it would hit the wheels and stop the rail. Yeah. Um, and the H block was also I mean, it's a good thing that it's shallow when it comes to ledges, but if you're like charging full speed at a rail, sometimes I would slip off of just because there was no like mechanism to hold in the, to hold it to the H block super tight. So, yeah. So with that being said, pretty much I made the frame just because the thought was like, I could make a frame that's pretty much perfect for my own personal skating and it's going to cost a lot of money, but would I rather like put that money anywhere else? No, I love skating. So may as well make the perfect frame for me. So that was the main thing. Knowing what I know now, I maybe never would have made a frame just because frames don't sell a lot. Like, it's tough in terms of that. Yeah. But I would have made it because it's like, you know, if you pay $30,000 to make the frame, get it going. Now I have the perfect frame for the rest of my life. That's a fair trade in my book. So. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But are- anyway, so that, that's why I made it just to make the perfect frame for me. The design came from preventing will bite on rails, keeping you super, super locked in when you're grinding rails. But it also is great with ledges, super thick sidewalls, a uh, pretty big wheel split, so you don't have to like kill yourself trying to get exactly accurate. And that's that. I don't, you don't. I don't really hear people like complain about wheel bite on rails very much, especially with like all the modern frames that we've got, like fluid fives on taunts, like like so many other examples. Like normally, as people go in like ledges or like I don't know coping or something like that, but I very like very rarely you hear someone go, "Oh yeah, and rails getting wheel bite." Like I, I would have thought that's like one of the hardest things to get wheel bite on. Yeah, <laughs> no, I agree. And again, it's 
the frame, I designed it just super niche for myself because I was like, I just wanted a frame because I would switch back. I'd like ride flat for a long time, but then I was like, I want to do technical switch ups on rails, but I can't do it with any frame out there. So then I just ride a feather like three anti-rocker and I was so sick of switching back and forth and back and forth. And I was like, let me just do my own thing. And that's that. And I had a little experience in um, injection molding and everything. So it yeah. wasn't my first injection molding process. So I knew how it would go roughly. So I had a little experience and yeah. So I pretty, it's just, you know, kind of a selfish project, but kind of not because it is a very good frame and a lot of people seem to like it. So, yeah. All right. I also saw you had quite a bold advertising campaign where, right, I'm going to get this wrong, but it was along these lines where you told people that if they bought the frame and they didn't like it, you would buy their next frame or something like that. What was the, what was yeah. the, it was pretty much just like, Hey, if you buy the frame and wills, because you have to have, you know, wills make a difference. If you buy it with like a sucky will, it's that's like super fat 60 millimeter. It's not going to be, you're going to be like, this frame sucks. So yeah, I knew with the frames and wills together, it's like almost no will buy. That's like super, that's the best setup in my opinion. So I was like, hey, if people buy these frames and wills together, I think most people are going to like the frames and wills. Uh, and that's that. But a lot of people are hesitant to test new things. So I was like, I don't know. I just figured it would be the best case scenario of like, buy it if you love it great if you don't we'll eat the cost and buy you more frames so it worked out great part of it too was like frames are never going to make money it's you're going to break even selling frames so i was like i can break even and get the word out because i knew we were coming out with a skate right. and if you like the frames you're going to like the skate so yeah that was kind of all that went into it it was mainly i was prepared to like lose a little bit of money or break even just to get the word out to get people that actually really like the frame down with it get it on their feet people that were hesitant they could test test it out so yeah you're, you're a big fan of like a bold move yeah because it's fun <laughs> <laughs> i don't know and i was reading like a lot of books like on like how to create good offers and this and that. If you ever heard of Alex Hermosi, anyone in the chat, right? He has a book about like creating good offers for skate or for just products. Okay. So I read a little bit of that book and I was like, how could I do a really good offer for, cause I'm a new company. So I was like, I got to create an offer that gets people that are on the fence to want to try it. And I figured I'd do that. Why not? Okay. Did anyone take you up on the offer? Did anyone like, wait, I didn't like these by my frames. <laughs> No, no one no one yeah i thought and i'm sure i'm not naive not everyone loved them but no one took the time to be like i hated them give me my money back you know i'm sure some people just skated them and were like they're all right whatever a good frame but like i'm not gonna ask for my money back but um at the same time that i did do that i did like reviews and stuff and most of the people that bought that deal like 70 percentage ended up like leaving a review down the line being like oh yeah it's super great i you know i tried riding flat but it didn't work but these do work so like yeah about 70 percent of the people that bought the deal also left a positive review 
So yeah, it worked out good. Right. I did. I saw, yeah, I saw the reviews and I was like, that is awesome. There's, there's, there's been two things that have put me off trying them so far. One is when you said how much you love the them frame because skating the them frame terrifies me because I can't handle a shallow groove because I'm a coward and I need I need I need a big lock but in. That's, that's what this the triangle fixes it because you're like you're locked in at two points of contact. Okay. As opposed to just one. So if you're at one point, you'll you'll move everywhere. But if there's two points of contact, like for someone that loves front sides, like I could. I'll do a front side on anything fully comfortable that I'm not going to slip because like your skates not moving side to side. Yeah. Right. But I agree okay. with you. Yeah. Yeah. Slipping out of shallow groove. Oh, gee, that's the worst. It just, I'm like, mm, I'm like, maybe I'm just not good enough or my technique's not, my technique is not the right technique for doing this. Cause I've spoke to people that like swear by them and people who like mainly do, it'll be someone like Ryan Park or someone like that who mainly does like, he does loads of like torque slides and back slides. And I'm like, how do you, you look really comfortable in those. And I've skated those and those don't have a lot of lock. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, nah, I think you, you're just way better at this than me. <laughs> like, I just... No, I, I agree. Yeah. It's terrifying. But if you look at the, if you look at any like grooved in frame, it does a triangle eventually. So it's like, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, I'll go along with that. Okay. Um, so obviously these are two expensive ventures. You mentioned like, yeah, I think you said like $30,000 for a frame mold. And then obviously the skates, it's going to be cheaper because you're using an existing mold, but you're obviously making significant changes to it. And I imagine there's minimum orders. Yeah. Where is this money coming from? <laughs> um, well, I live very very cheap like very much subscribe to the every cent i have i put towards skating so that's a big aspect of it like uh, yeah i would surprise people if they knew how little money i lived on but i do that so every cent i make if it's not food if it's not gas it's going back towards skating at least for now, I'm sure, you know, down the line, I'll take more out. But yeah, that's the number one thing is like, right. if I make $40,000 a year, I'm going to live off of 18 and put 22 back in. So that's like, I put all my money towards it, which is the first thing. Second thing is just trying to be really strategic, working with the factories. So they'll give you... Like the more you work with them, the more leeway they'll give you. So for the frame mold, it was the first time I ever worked with this factory. And I pretty much just had to pay up front saying like, here's all the money up front. And the mold cost was only around $10,000. But then there's minimum orders for getting the, like how much frames and stuff you have to buy. And then there was a problem where the, the whole first production of like, around 2000 frames were all warped. So it was like, F me, I got to make another frame really quick. <laughs> so then that was like another 10,000. But it, anyway, so making the frames was a lot of money up front because it was the first time I was working with the factory. Um, so there was that. Also putting money on a credit card. If it was like, I know that the skates are coming in a month. So I'm going to put as much money on my credit card as I can. 
because I know I'll be able to pre-order and pay that off. So living cheap credit cards that I know I'm going to be able to pay off. I did borrow a little bit of money from friends, mostly skater friends, and then just paid them back as I went. So that's that. But then for the skate, after working on the frame project where everything was just cash up front, they were a little more lenient. Like with the mold, I only had to pay a third of the mold costs up front. So that was pretty good um, to get it going. And then instead of like when it came time to pay more for the mold costs and stuff, I just said, hey, I'll buy another run of frames. And then they're like, oh, yeah, just buy another run of frames. And then they didn't have to then I didn't have to pay more up front for the molds because they still got cash. So yeah. just stuff like right. trying to be as strategic as possible to where like the factory and the guy I work with is always getting money from me because if it's not from the mold cost up front, it'll be like, Hey, instead of paying a mold cost up front, let me buy more frames or, you know? Yeah. So, there's still, there's still money going into like your customer account. Yeah. 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 So trying to be as strategic as possible with that. And like with minimum orders for the skate, I was going to do a smaller minimum order. But again, when it came time to pay for more of the mold cost, I was like, how about if we just boost up the minimum order? <laughs> and then they're like, okay, yeah, we'll do that. So yeah, just trying to be as strategic as possible where I can get them as much money as like they're happy with. Yeah. But also I'm getting product instead of paying down payments for molds for products that are going to come in six months or eight months. So yeah, just trying to be as strategic as possible. So how many did you end up ordering? <laughs> uh, for the first run, a thousand. So nothing oh, right, too okay, great. Right, nothing, yeah. But it was going to be like, at first it was going to be like a 600 minimum. And then, yeah. But the plan is a thousand and then very shortly after another thousand. So, but the first thousand is probably just all going to come to the USA. Second thousand, we might adjust the mold a little bit. Hopefully we'll be able to get that stupid box off. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. Right, because I've, I heard you like discussing pre-order and the Instagram video and saying you don't really like it, but I, I would have thought one of the benefits of pre-order for the company is that it's a way to get some of those costs back or deliver some of the upfront costs for production ahead of, you know, waiting for the product to sell or waiting for it to sell from the website or the physical shop or the, like, there's no terrifying weight to be like oh i need to get some of this money back because i've got manufacturers to pay yeah no that is that's the number one reason people pre-order um and we could have gone that route it would have been we probably would have gotten it all paid off or we could have come close but just my personal thing i i, I don't know i don't from being a shop owner and from being a customer like as a oh, customer, oh, as a customer, it sucks. As a customer, yeah. pre-order has zero benefits. Other, well, other than you're just eliminating the possibility of missing out on the product. But how often do you miss out on a product? Dude, you're not going to miss out on anything. Give me a break. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no. Well, actually, in like the 2020, yeah, you probably would have missed out. Stuff has gone quick. But um, yeah, there's no benefit to the customer. So I was like, I don't want to do that. Um. 
And then to the for the shops as well, like for example, nothing against it, like for the standard thing, for example, as a shop, we really wanted to do a pre-order, but they're like, oh, we can't, we have to pre-order them just as much as we can through the website. And we're only working through like two or three shops. So it was like, as a skate shop owner, it was a super bummer to where it's like, we could have pre-ordered and made like a few thousand, but they yeah. just decided to do website. So I was like, I, yeah, I just didn't, I wanted to do as minimal pre-orders as possible because long-term it's better for the customer and it's better for individual skate shops to not do pre-orders. And that's that. And then that's why I gave away like frames and wheels in the meantime. If you that's what I mean. They're, 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 paying you money but they're getting something i liked i did like that you like buy the buy the full the complete setup with the frame and the wheels and you're essentially just getting a free skate i was like oh yeah, yeah. so yeah all right yeah it uh, was mainly like like we didn't make any money on the pre-orders really because we gave them skates and wheels but it was like we needed that was one of the few instances where like we do need cash to get the skates over here so it was like we didn't make money, but we have a lot of product in terms of frames. So we'll just cash it out, give them cash. And yeah. Okay. Right. That's that. Um, I also liked what you said about the markup being really good for the skate shop, because obviously when you guys sell them direct, you're selling them at a higher price. So if anything, it makes it more likely that people will go to their nearest shop to get the, or nearest like web shop or whatever to get the skate and people that are buying from you are either people that don't have a nearby shop or can't get it delivered to them or it's going to be people in salt lake city so yeah. that's i thought that was pretty cool that there was there was enough of the, a markup that helped the shop like get a good profit yeah. out of it yeah no again that's the two main focuses is make the best possible skate for entry levels and make skate that skate shops are going to want to sell not only that it'll sell a ton at skate shops but they'll make a lot of money when they do sell it so yeah all right That's the with that skate um we've talked for absolutely ages about this skate i'm very curious to know about the shop because very few skate shops survive the first year and there's very few shops internationally that have got like that have been going for a long time and are, are doing well. So I'm I'm curious to know if you guys are still going. It's got to have been like two or three years now. It's a little over two years. We a over two years. Yeah, we kind of we really got cooking in September, October of 2021. Right. I mean, we started the business in July, but that was like just getting a warehouse and getting ready. So but yeah, so, we've been doing it for two years. So it's like, is it providing both of you guys an income or is it, or like how's, is, is it basically, is it allowing you guys to sustain yourselves or do you have other forms of income? Definitely other forms of income. So, right. and it's me and Nick Swan, right? So yeah. he's great. Um, so yeah, kind of the way we run it. Our main thing is we just want to systematize it so it's not hard to run. So that's that. So it's once you get it going, if you do it right, if you set up all the systems to make everything super easy, it's pretty easy to run a skate shop, but it's not highly profitable. 
Um, I mean, it's not bad, but with two owners in one skate shop, if you only want to have the one skate shop, not a good plan. <laughs> so we each make like part-time money and we each work at it part-time. Um, but it's very easy. We set up the system so it runs itself. Um, cooking for two years. We are doing, um, we've announced it kind of, but we haven't like announced it big. We're doing a Denver shop as well. So I, re I remember, I, I feel like this seed was planted quite a while ago because I can't remember how long ago it was I spoke to Nicholas, but he was talking about a shop in Denver then. And I feel like that was, or he was talking about a shop that, that already existed in Denver that yeah. he really liked. Yeah, he was probably talking about Death and Glory, which when we first started, they helped us out a ton in terms of just like, we knew nothing. So we were like, like for when it comes to roller derby, for example, we were like, Jesse from Death and Glory, we were like, what do we do? What do we order? We have no clue. Like, so yeah, he, they helped us out a ton getting our skate shop going. Um, but it was always, it's always been the plan for me and Nick to eventually grow and have more and more skate shops so we were always planning on growing just because the business model is it's worth doing if you have five skate shops it's not necessarily worth doing if you have one besides that it's fun but you're not gonna make a living so um yeah denver their shop helped us out a ton but it ended up shutting down just because of like weird internal stuff partnerships going awry and so there was at one point three Denver shops and now there's none. So we're just like, okay. You yeah, know? Like, so you, you basically saw an opportunity. You know, well, if you guys managed to run three shops, we could in theory run one and surely make a go of it out there. Yeah. And we're working with like people that have worked at every single of those skate shops. So there's no animosity or anything. Um, we're getting product from shops that have shut down people that worked at the shops are helping us find buildings and all that and or helped us find build we already have the lease and everything we're open in march 1st so um yeah it's just been denver's helped us out a lot from us opening the shop to helping you get a shop open there and yeah so it's been neither neither of you guys are physically going to be in denver you're just going to have other people running it for you there right yeah we're gonna be there for a little bit to get it going but yeah it's gonna be other people working it that the key to doing a skate shop is <laughs> it's very good if someone already has a full-time job and works online but also loves skating then they can sit at the skate shop and run the skate shop so that's kind of what yeah it's one if you have a remote job and you could just sit at the counter and have as long as you've got good wi-fi access it's like you could do the whole yeah kill two birds with one stone approach yeah yeah so that's kind of what we're doing there's uh two as of right now there'll probably be more down the line two people that again have full-time jobs everything just fine but they absolutely love skating they just want to be around it they want to do everything so it's like they can have a full-time job and instead of sitting at their house they can hang out at a skate shop and get paid to work at a skate shop be around skaters that so yeah It'll be a good gig for everyone involved, we hope. It could all go to crap. I don't know, but it's a very, yeah. I mean, it's our first test of doing a shop that we're not there. So, yeah. 
I, I love how like just happy-go-lucky and flippant you seem about taking quite significant financial risks. Yeah, I mean, it depends. I guess it depends what you call like significant financial risk. Because if worse comes to worse, and the Denver shop shuts down, we'll just absorb all their inventory, and we won't be out that much. You yeah. Know? Okay. Yeah. Another but it is a risk. It could. I don't know. Something could happen. But yeah, a very right. calculated risk, I would say. I, I, I believe you. I've got you know more about what this stuff than I do, so I'm not in a position to question. Um, but it's still a risk. Still could go to crap. We yeah. don't know. Yeah. Well, we don't think you would. So um, yeah, I'm, oh, I'm I'm well aware. As someone who <laughs> lost tens of thousands of pounds on a print publication, I'm I'm well aware. Um, I'm curious. So obviously you've mentioned like trends about stuff about people like being a lot of first time or want to be aggressive skaters begin like interest in being aggressive skaters, getting into it over like social media and stuff like that and coming in or loads of people coming in, like telling you their preferences and things like that. Is there, have there, have there been any other like trends or things like that that you've noticed since running the shop that have become glaringly obvious or stuff that have kind of taken you by surprise, like just the amount, like have there been like requests or, or like, I don't know, purchasing trends or there's, there's got to have been stuff as a result of owning a shop that you're like, whoa, did not know that or did not realize that would be the case. Yeah. There's uh, I mean, so many, there's not as much after running it for two years, but some of the main things getting started was, uh, the shop is inline skates and roller skates, right? So it's both of those. And we thought when we opened the shop that it would be like 80, 70, 80% roller skates, 30% inline skates, but it's pretty even. It's maybe like 55% roller skates, 45% inline skates, but then there's days or even weeks where it's like mostly inline skates. So that was super surprising being like, oh, a lot of people are rollerblading. Like, I didn't realize, yeah. <laughs> which is crazy because, you know, and I, we, I'm sure we've had super similar experience growing up where it's like super strong. Our sport was such at a peak. And then we've kind of failed to do this for a long time. Yeah. Um, so in my mind, I was just thinking like, I, it would be mainly roller skating. And I'd done a little bit of stuff with roller skating, um, I ended up like when it came to skimboarding, I was doing a skimboard project, like an injection molded skimboard project didn't end up working out. Um, or I guess we just shelved it for the future, but ended up losing like, again, a lot, a lot of freaking money on that because paid for all the molds to do a skimboard didn't end up happening. So I was like, crap, what do I do? <laughs> Sell bearings. Cause I knew I could get bearings for cheap. So I just bought a ton of bearings on a credit card, sold them to roller skate shops. This was like 2020-ish, right? 2020, right. the end of 2020. So I was like, roller skate shops are buying so many freaking bearings. Like that's what sustained my life after losing all my money from skimboard stuff and everything. Sold a ton of bearings to roller skate shops. And then that's when I got a hold of Nick Swan. We already knew each other, but he was kind of wanting to do a skate shop. And I was like, dude, based on how many bearings these skate shops are run, like buying, 
we're going to start a skate shop and be fine. So started a skate shop. We were thinking it was going to be all roller skates, 50-50. So that was surprising. Um, another surprising thing was roller derby. Do you know much about roller derby? I always kind of think of like roller derby and quad skating as like the same thing. Well, not the same thing, but like yeah, kind of in, in, intertwined. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like a game where there's like going around a circle trying to score points by lapping each other. Um, and I knew me and Nicholas both knew nothing about that. So that was surprising to see, like, there's like a strong scene of roller derby, which was, we never expected. Like we literally, that was not on our radar at all. I feel like that's, is you have to be of a certain age to remember the, the original film of Rollerball that had like, I can't yeah. remember who was in it, but like, yeah, it was basically them going around trying to kill each other on quads, but li- literally <laughs> killing each other because that was the point of the film. <laughs> yeah. So that was a surprising thing. And then again, with the, I mean, we kind of already spoke about this, but I was so surprised by how many people were, how many non-core people were buying aggressive skates and just how many people are buying skates in general um, and kind of where it's heading. Uh, I think this is maybe even more heavy because we're in Utah, but so many skiers are now skating, which was like, it makes sense, but it was still surprising when yeah. we first started seeing like it. I feel like now there's absolutely no stigma about rollerblading. When everyone knows the stigma back in the day of like, well, I shouldn't say absolutely no stigma. Yeah, <laughs> it's, not, definitely, it's definitely something, it's something like, that's still spoken about, but it's not spoken about with the same venom that it previously yeah. was. Now, now it's, it's just like, a kind of lighthearted joke, whereas before it was like, oh no, we're doing this to make you yeah. feel like crap about yourself. Yeah. yeah. And it's like a young, for like young skiers are a lot of people buying skates. It's like, a young skier is not going to be concerned if someone calls them gay. They'll be like, great, I'm still buying skates, you know. When our time, it was just different, you know. So a lot of that stigma has, like, it's it's not that it's a non-factor, but it's definitely not as big of a factor. So yeah, yeah. that's been cool to see of, like, yeah, we peaked, then there was, it was lame to rollerblade, or people would call you gay, this and that, and but now it's like there was that and now it's upwards to where that doesn't need to be a factor anymore. So that was cool to see. Right. See, I've kind of gone the other way. I've like, I've discovered skiing in the past few years and now I definitely watch more free ski videos than I do rollerblading videos. Like what are you I watching keep, now? Dude, that's good stuff. Like let's say like discovering all these little guys just terrorizing their towns or like other people's towns on skis and getting arrested left, right, and center because they need to make yeah. these giant snow ramps and the police come along. It's not like you can like on skates you can get away with it and go, Oh, we didn't we didn't do that. We didn't <laughs> we didn't wax that rail. Whereas they're like, you're the only people here with shovels. Like you There's def- a ramp. There's you a definitely drop. made that quarter pipe going up that 10 story building and they're like Okay, yes, we did. Yes, yes. <laughs> no, so that, yeah, that's cool. And I think for the future, that's going to be a focus of ours is, yeah, just more skiing. It goes so hand in hand. It's crazy. And it there's like, of, yeah, in Utah specifically, there's like a pretty big, like super core, super awesome ski company, Vishnu. Um, yep, heard you know, of them. Yep, yep. That's Vishnu. We did, we don't do it anymore just because 
I did other things. But when he first moved to Utah and started the shop, we did all like the fulfillment for Vishnu. Um, so that helped us get our shop going. But anyways, the dude that runs at Emmett, great guy. There's a lot of people that ski for Vishnu that also rollerblade, like Cal Carson, super all-star young skier kid, uh, Reed, my favorite skater in Utah. So a bunch of people that ride for Vishnu that are like super sick core skiers are also super sick skaters. So that's been, I think we'll just see more and more of that in the future. Okay. I was wondering how much crossover there was of that because I watched a video recently where they showed a clip of this kid on skis doing like a fence gap into a bank in snow. And then after he lands it, he walks up and he goes, oh, some absolute cook on rollerblades did this last summer. And then they showed the clip. They showed the clip straight afterwards. And I was like, is he showing a clip of himself and like making fun of himself? And I was like, because you obviously have no context and don't know who any, any of these people are, but I was like, well, they obviously know enough to have the footage and maybe they even filmed it themselves. And I'm like, this is kind of crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I think I know that. I think I know the exact clip you're talking about. <laughs> so that, that was potentially that guy. Yeah. And that was in Utah. Right. I'm going to watch that video because I've got the clip saved on my phone because I was meaning to do something with it and be like, yeah, let me know. Yeah. Let me know. Send it to me. Cause I'm pretty sure it's, Reed doing like a 360 hand plan on the fence dropping into the bank yes yes right good dude Dude, i'll say that i've done like i've skated that spot just because it was i lived three blocks away from it for a while so scary so that that video that video was filmed in salt lake city that's pretty awesome because that's another annoying thing is i've noticed in ski videos they don't tell you who you're watching they just give the credits at the end saying this was a skier but you've got no like frame of reference for who each one is <laughs> that's just because they're all younger a lot of them are younger they just whatever they you know yeah that's, that's i feel like it's cool. maybe not to say like this is this person it's like you want to be subtle about it you know right that's what <laughs> yeah that's... i know the clip you're talking about it's probably read in both the clips so <laughs> no way that's very so cool right clip, now i've got now i've got a reason to watch that video again um so is there like is was there anything else that like kind of surprised because I, what i always wonder about skate shops is what is it that keeps them going like what are the, what are the bulk of their sales coming from is it from skates or is it from parts or is it from like i, I genuinely have zero concept of because i've never worked in a skate shop I, i've got no understanding of wh- what the majority of the sales are yeah um I guess profit-wise versus sales-wise, the most profit comes from selling skates, but then there is, it's like skates, then pads are a big one, and then wheels and accessories are probably three. And yeah, we're just surprised by how even the split was. So it's like inline skates and roller skates, pretty even. And in the inline skates, it's like, Urban skates versus aggressive skates, also pretty even. And when it comes to roller skates, it's like roller derby versus roller just dance skating or whatever. That's also somewhat even. It's maybe like 35% roller derby, uh, 65 regular skating. So we were super surprised by how even yeah. everything was. 
Um, yeah, for example, like I was looking at the stats the other day, like our top selling, not our top, but in terms of products, one of our most sold products is just the Razor's Coltscape, right? It's like our number seven most sold product. Our number <laughs> one is pads or laces because everyone buys shoelaces. And then it's like pads because whether you're doing roller derby, inline skating, roller, everyone buys pads. And then, yeah. and then besides that, it's like, um, urban skates are high up that yeah everything's just it's just so even like out of our top 10 most selling products it's like 25 percent urban skates 25 percent aggressive 25 percent roller dirt or not 25 it's maybe 10 percent roller derby and then pads and it's so even which is was super well, yeah i guess in like my naivety i always thought in order for a skate shop to survive, it would probably have to like the bulk of the sales would probably come from like recreational skates or f like fitness skates or like, like skates that are just a little bit more like less intimidating, say, as opposed to having to learn how to grind and take an absolute beating, like learning like how to do tricks, essentially. Like I thought people yeah. would just kind of want to like get up and go or like over yeah. here, we've got really big thing like roller discos. Like they're like every yeah. city kind of tends to have a roller disco, and like I I can't get my daughter in a skate park. She hates it. It's like too much physical yeah. effort, and it hurts. But she loves the roller disco because it's like you're flying around, weaving in and out of people, listening to really loud music. So she's like, "Yeah, this is this is rollerblading to me." Yeah. No. Yeah. That that's how it is. I, and you're right in that. Like, you're not going to sustain a shop just on aggressive skating. You're not going to sustain a shop. Well, you could sustain a shop just on roller skating or just on inline, but it takes everything to really have a healthy shop to where it's, yeah, just the best case scenario. But there are some shops like in California, there are exclusively roller skating shops. So I guess it could happen. In California, though, you would think, I imagine the demographic in California is significantly larger being that yeah. they get all year round sun. Yeah. And I don't know, I would be curious, but I don't think there's any shops that are exclusively inline skates that don't sell roller skates. Maybe there are, but none that I can think of. So yeah, they yeah. definitely, I mean, it helps if you're, if you're selling skates, you may as well sell all the skates, right? Or at least just have like token pairs, even if you're not going to have like an extensive range, at least have the option there for people that yeah. if they come in, you go, oh yeah, we've got those. Yeah, no, I, yeah, at least I have something. So, yeah, um, right. I think your assessment in that is very right. Um, as as someone who loved the cult, did you ever think about doing something with that shell? Because obviously, it is an open source. Impala already use it for recreation. Like, yeah. did did that thought ever cross your mind, or was that again um, a case of potentially upsetting? Yeah, potentially upsetting. I mean, stuff that crossed my mind that. I didn't do, but you know, I've, I've thought of doing everything in terms of like, I'm like, crap, do I get a hold of razors and be like, dude, let's just do a sub brand of like the same thing that kind of Shima did of like, Hey, let's take the Colt boot and make it more core, whatever thought about that thought of, I thought about doing a, Colt, but cut it down and out of skin. Thought about a lot of stuff, but in the end, I was like, you can't do the Colt boot unless you're working with razors. 
And if you're working with another company, the margin's already thin and the market's already saturated to where it's like, what for, you know? Yeah. It's harder to deal. It's not harder to deal. It's maybe sometimes easier, but like thinking if I'm going to do this for 20, 30 years, I'm not going to, it's not going to be a Volo situation or Nim or Renz. It's going to be to make it sustainable. It's going to be doing your own thing. Yeah. That, no, that makes perfect I even sense. Thought, I mean, yeah, my naive, I was even like, dude, I wonder if Razor's is selling. Maybe I figure out how to buy it. Like I've thought of everything, but. You're you know. not, you're not the first shop owner that has said that to me. Another, another and shop owner is, has, Razor, has said, I wish, I wish Andy would sell razors to me. Yeah. You should, I, if he ever does sell, he would have to sell it to Jeff. Cause dude, why, what? <laughs> I don't know. But in terms of, Razors is, if you want to talk about razors for a bit, I can talk about it because there's good and bad, but shop owners love razors because Andy is not a core guy. So he understands to some degree, like the razors cult is going to be a great sell. That's going to sustain it. The, you know, other stuff. Yeah. I don't know. But at the same time, if you're going to have a protein, treat them good. Otherwise just don't even have a team. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> And this is contra. I don't think razors needs a protein at all. They would be, their cells would maybe go down fifteen percent without a protein. Maybe. Yeah. I th- so. And I think the past five years has proven that by just how little they have done in terms of utilizing their protein, and yet it doesn't seem to have damaged sales. Like you still, you go to skate parks and you see kids wearing razor skates. And they're not putting anything into market. In fact, sometimes they don't even announce release of new models. You just they just appear in shops. Dude, because yeah, I'll say this. Andy is he does stuff right in terms of he makes good razors are good products. They're good products. They gen beside they fit people's feet. The SL fits most people's feet as universal fitting. The SL, the Colt fits most people's feet, great price. And I think, see, I think if the shift fit more people's feet, because it's so pancaked. But oh, if I the- really hate that skate, it feels so cheap, and I think I think it feels really clacky. And dude, I think the shift was the best skate ever made. Oh my if god! It oh my god! I love the shift. Anyway, yeah, I think Razors has good products. As pretty much the bottom line, like. Is yeah, I don't know. They have That's- they have they have proved and I know it upsets a lot of people and yeah, it's there's the kind of the ethics behind it is obviously not right, but they have proved that that model that we've created for ourselves where you have to have this type of marketing, you have to have this type of protein. They have proved that you don't and you can still get so but the only reason they can do that is because they are very much living off their legacy now. They're living off their past. I don't even think they're living off their legacy. I think they're living off of good products. But those products would never have become the iconic products that they are without those team videos and those pro skates exactly. because they they, they had like feedback to make they, the SL do the SL so yeah, sick. They were releasing no, I, skates yeah, for years that, that weren't going anywhere. They were releasing like the impact and the flat and the super flat and stuff like and they were not even a contender as one of the top brands. Yeah. And then something, there was a cultural shift and you had like Shima and Elliot involved and stuff like that and all that stuff in the 90s and John. 
but I agree. With, yeah, no. What they're I guess- doing now is proof that maybe maybe the models that we think are necessary, like having the pro team and having that kind of maybe maybe that is naive in our part for thinking that maybe we should be thinking of just yeah. trying to make well, the best product possible and bringing it out. There's there's definitely arguments for both sides. And yeah, no, and I do do. I love thinking about that too, just because I think again, back to the surprising thing about a skate shop owner is as a core skater, like I've been skating for 20 years. I was going to competitions. I was doing everything, right? Super involved in skating for 20 years, but it wasn't until I started a skate shop that I was like, oh, the skating market is not what I thought it was. It's not core skaters. And that's like the market's bigger and different and this matters in a product, you know? So that really opened my eyes to like, there's two markets of skating. So with new everything, our main goal is like, I guess, business theory. It's like, can you just super nail the intro level with like this skate? And that just super takes care of the intro that takes care of that half of the market. But also what would a skate look like that fully, fully was a core market skate that, you weren't concerned about the beginner buying it. They would never buy, you know, long-term that's kind of our theory is like super, not core, super core. We have to make the distinction and see where it goes. And with the super core that comes along with the team, like to be a super core company, you have to have a team. And if you're going to have a team, you know, just for new everything in general, we're only going to ever have like, we're going to keep the team super small, pay the people super well, three pros, whatever. But for the core side of skate, like you don't need a team. So I don't know. Yeah. the Yeah. I mean, it's, it's something you're, you're literally going to find out when, when the skate yeah. comes out and you've got, yeah, the thousand pairs, yeah. whatever, you're going to find out if it is possible to just like make it, a sustainable business off just going after those those you know those first comers those intros those beginners um that'll be sustainable the question is can one company be super core and sustainable but all or super not core just entry level products but at the same time sell products that are super core that are going to be sustainable that get a few pros paid really well that's the business thesis is like just lean super hard into both of those. Don't try and do any middle ground skate. Like just. Yeah. I do wonder that that does raise an interesting question. If that exists in other extreme sports where there's brands that create just, you know, cheap, accessible beginner entry point products, but also this very same brand has like, Here's you can get like the elite version, which is a completely different mod. But then I guess that's easier to do in things like skateboards and things like that because you just use different materials. I guess it's yes, yeah, it's, it's difficult yeah. one to kind of comprehend. If you ever you ever heard of Comme des Garçons, Comme des Garçons, yeah, the fashion label, yeah, yeah. So they that's kind of where the that's where I first heard of that model, and I was like, you could probably do that in action sports because they make <laughs> like. Converse. They sell Converse and T-shirts. Yeah, I've seen those. On it. But it and they make a lot of money doing that. Millions and millions. 
But then if you ever seen their super high in fashion stuff, wonky as can be, so crazy, super high in fashion. Well, they'll sell like a dress for ten, fifteen thousand dollars, and they make a lot of money there too. So super consumer friendly, super core fashion. So right, okay. They, they aren't trying to sell, you know, they're not selling two hundred fifty dollar shoes. They're selling hundred dollar shoes to beginners that just want to rep the brand and they're selling $15,000 dresses to people that do that. So, but in action sports, it might be very different. I, I was about to say, yeah. Is that transferable though? Is that, is that model transferable? Oh, I, out. I guess, I guess, I guess we're going to find out. <laughs> well, you, well, you're going to find out. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to observe from the sidelines. Yeah. Um, well, and I think it's doable. I mean, if nothing else, you do two separate brands of like, Okay, new everything is very product oriented, beginner friendly. And then this other brand is super, super, super core focused. And we don't care about the beginner skater. They're not going to buy our skates. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That's, you've, you've now made that a fascinating prospect to like watch unfold. Yeah. That is very interesting. We'll see. Again, it could all go to crap. And then we'll find out. Then I'll, everything will fail and I'll become like, I don't know, a designer or something, okay. <laughs> a trucker. I don't um, know. <laughs> right. We've got a bunch of questions from other people, not me, that um, want to ask you. Before, before they do, I've got one more oh, question. Oh, I have now. a question. Oh. Are we live? Can I go pee? No, no, we're not live. Of course you can okay. go pee. I'm going to pee. <laughs> okay, back in the game. <laughs> right. I've got I've got one more question, then we'll we'll pass this over to, because this episode has got the most, like, yeah, viewer questions I've seen. So people has clearly captured their their interest. Um, when are we when are we going to see uh, more Duran Bickmore skate footage? Because I'm like, it's usually it's usually when when I look at my feet, I'm like, oh, you Instagram clip from Duran Bick. I'm going to check this. Out. So when are we? When are we get? Um, get some- I don't know. I'm a busy guy doing like running the shop part time, running the skates part time. I also do fulfillment for skate companies so like there's gonna, i'm shouting what, out myself what does what does that mean you that said means, that earlier what does what does fulfillment yeah. for a company mean it means just we so we work with a few we work with endless micro and then i do my own stuff we just warehouse their stuff so i have a pretty big house because most of it's just taking up warehouse space to store micro skates to store endless products that's like my full basement and a couple rooms in my house um, that we right, store so, their stuff. So like small scale distribution, essentially, like when yeah. people make orders, you ship them out. Yeah, just right. shipping to various skate shops, shipping out. So yeah, we do that. And then if there are any other skate brands that want to offload it, we'll do it for you. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, we do that. And that helps out with the skate shop in general and everything. So um, that's kind that, of- yeah, that is a good side hustle because it's like, yeah, you're basically they're 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 getting a storage space out of it and you're getting yeah kind of like yeah okay but again it does take up time like half the week i'm in the shop pretty much every day i'm shipping stuff out and then i'm talking to china and doing all the new everything stuff so i haven't had as much time to skate as i would like hopefully in the next year we'll see how things end up with the denver shop within the next year we're That'll be the experiment of like running a shop fully remote. If that works out, 
then me and Nicholas are going to hire someone to just fully run the Salt Lake shop. So then that won't take up as much time. And so then I'll have more time for skating. Also going to work up to hiring someone to do the fulfillment, which I have in the past, but then it just didn't end up working out. So hiring someone to ship everything out so I don't have to do that. And then if I can do those two things within the next year, I'm literally just going to skate for like five, six hours a day. And that would be so awesome because I'm still young. <laughs> I, you know, I figure I got a few good years left in me, but. Hey, I'm I'm 40 and you're significantly better than me. So if I can still do it, you'll, you'll be fine. Dude, I, don't know. I can't do that. Backs of Anna's both ways, massive unities on King Chris. Yeah, but you've, Just, you've got you've got the clever stuff that I wish I could do. I, I do the I, I call my my rollerblading the Michael Kors bag of rollerblading. I can do basic <laughs> tricks on anything, but as soon as it comes to being clever, I just break myself off. It's, it's just infuriating. Right, let's let's rattle through these questions quick. So, um, right, this question I feel like you already kind of answered this, but Daniel Diaz asks, I wonder if he's considered the compatibility of mounting the sole frame in the new boot also thoughts about a standard sole frame mounting like ufs so i think he's basically asking like what your thoughts are on like the mounting system you've went for as opposed to ufs and like what your thoughts on ufs are but you've basically already answered that because you've said the whole reason you're making the mounting the way it is is lighter and less opportunity for losing hardware yeah, I think maybe in that question, was he asking, like, if it can be mounted to other boots as well? Or something? No, I think he's. I think he he, he does. <laughs> he did just say considered the compatibility of the mounting of the sole frame in the new boot. But then, of course, you have because you've tested it and you're now yeah. putting it to market. So I'm kind of confused by that one. Um, next as person, for sole system. I don't know if that's ever going to happen. I don't think so. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, Nathan Bentley, very excited about the T-neck boot. Oh, that was one thing. Someone asked me if you get annoyed when people call it T-neck instead of the new everything company. No. um, No, I either call it T-neck or I call it new everything. I rarely say the new everything company because it's a mouthful, but, it but it's a spunky name. So that's why we went with it. Again, when we had to change the name from Bic, we're like, what do we call it? And it was at the same time where I was like, well, we're probably going to get into skating. We're probably eventually going to get into skiing as well. So it's like, let's name it new everything because it will, it's everything, right? All right. Okay. Yeah, I, either, I either say new everything or T-neck. So that's fine. Right. Um, <laughs> right. Nathan Bentley said, I understand the purpose behind the riveted soul frame. However, as an Aeon skater who replaces entire shelves many times per year, I'd be ecstatic to see a bolt-on soul kit for easy replacement. Do you see bolt hardware and additional soul kit colorways as options for the boot in the near future? So I guess what he's asking is, is there a possibility in the future that you're going to be selling the kind of soul frame combo? Yeah. So that goes, I guess that plays into the theory of making products super for the entry level and super for the core. So we are going to eventually come out with super core products, meaning replaceable bottom, replaceable parts. We'll fill it out and get feedback that could look like just a standard UFS sole plate. It could look like just a bolt-on sole frame. So we'll fill that out. We will 
yeah, eventually do replaceable stuff. But we don't know if that's going to look like a one-piece soul frame or UFS. That's where we'll fill it out. We don't have enough info yet to see what's best for everybody. Right. So, yeah. Totally. Not best for everybody, best for the court. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. Eric Trude has got a couple of, oh, he's got a couple of uh, cheeky questions. So I don't know how. how uh... <laughs> right. Um, is there any intentional irony of the new everything company using an existing open boot mold? Yeah. We were, yeah, yeah. There is a lot, a lot of ironing. Um, and I thought about doing, when we released it, I thought about just doing a campaign, like a nothing new campaign. So, yeah. And, and is, you're using an old book, but you're doing something new to it. So yeah. there's, there's, oh, no. okay. No, but yeah, no, the irony is not lost on me. It's kind of funny. <laughs> All <laughs> oh, right. No, same again. Do you intend on having a soul frame sold separate? You've already answered that. Um, all right. So um, many skates like Aeons integrate soul and frame, use it to allow for larger wheels. Besides the ease of using the existing T-neck frame design, is there any other reason why there weren't any other changes to the frame design as part yeah. of the soul frame option? Well, you did. You, you have there, changed yeah. the frame slightly. You've made it a deeper groove. Yeah, so there are change. I'll go through the changes. So the groove isn't deeper; it's the same groove, but the it's pre-broken in because right. again, it's fine for a core skater to break in a groove. It's not really that big of a deal. It turns some people off, but most people they don't care. But for an entry level skater, like a new everything frame, they're not going to break it. In. It's not good. So that's why we made it pre-broken in. So super easy to move into Royales. That was one change. We also changed the length of the frame to just be more in line with each boot. So the length of the frame fits the boot very perfectly. Um, it is sunken in a little bit more, not okay. a ton, um, but it, it the wheels are sunken in more. So it's a little more close to the foot feeling. So those would be the three changes is we changed the frame length. We changed the groove so it's pre-broken in, and the frame height rides a little bit lower. So I guess that would make the groove a little bit lower too. But yeah, yeah. But in terms of shape of the groove, same shape. So. Oh, oh! You've already answered this question, but yeah. And um, since part of the ideology behind the skate is to make it simple from day one and anyone can ride without issues, what steps have you taken to make sure the wheels are going to hold up as they are famously the worst part of most stock skates? You have already answered that. Um, but I'll say this too. Most like cheaper stock skates are anti-rocker, which the wheels suck for anti-rocker. And... If you're a beginner skater, the wheels last a lot longer just because of the nature of your skating. So I agree with his argument of like, if you're a core skater and you buy an entry-level skate, the wheels are going to suck. But that's that's where the business thesis comes in of like, super not core, yeah. super core. <laughs> like, no middle ground is what we're going to go for. So, but with that being said, there are, for the first boot, for this, there are, you know, a percentage of the core that are going to buy it. They'll just switch out the wheels. Great. Plus, when you're riding flat, 
it it tends yeah, to build up. It makes their tolerance, even if they're not the highest quality wheels, they're still going to last significantly longer than they were if you're riding anti. Um, yeah. Peter Toth asks uh, the question. The only question in me is why the strict hatred for colours? Is it business reasons only or something else? I mean, there's there's flourishes. There's flourishes of colour. Flourishes. But it's business reasons. Like this, the T-neck 58, I, mean, I can't say for certain, but 99% sure it's never going to be in anything besides black. As this. When it when once down the line we'll do replaceable parts and this and that and then we'll do colors but like for the entry level skate it's always going to be black because everyone walks in the shop they see like a fun colored rosies and they're like that's so sick but like I'm not good enough yet for that so that's that's a good once you move into the core that's when you start buying fun skates entry level skaters yeah black skates but they still like a fun highlight of wills that's you know that's where we'll get a little fun but if it's a black boot that's what you want for entry level it is quite surprising that yeah they find color like intimidating or think it somehow has a, a greater significance than yeah no it's just being a color yeah first time i heard it i was like that doesn't matter no one cares but then i heard it a hundred more times and i was just like clearly it does matter yeah anyone yeah just buy a black skate um uh, right. Oh, a lot. Very last question. Um, so why another skate company? We already have so many skates on the market. Does your shop owner experience tell you there's a market to a brand new entry level skate? Yes. Um, yeah, it was all informed by just owning a shop was like opening my eyes to the market that there, that there is. Yeah. So in terms of core skates, that's very saturated. But I don't think that's a bad thing because there's something for every everyone. You know, that's great. Um, but there wasn't a lot of good options for entry-level skaters. And if you think about it, the most options for entry-level skaters come from people who own companies that are not core skaters. Like Matthias, Andy Wagner, like they're not core aggressive skaters. Yet they have the best non-core entry level product. So yeah. True. But oh I, I I don't feel like putting Matthias and Andy in the same bracket is necessarily because that Matthias is a lifetime rollerblader. Andy no, yeah. is, Andy no, has I, never I, been a rollerblader. I agree with that fully. So technically Matthias is a core blader. He's just not a core aggressive blader. Yeah, he's not a core regret. He has a perspective that's outside of the core is what I'm saying, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying Andy and Matthias are the same breed or anything. And I don't, I don't even want to talk major crap about if we're talking purely products, that's it. I don't care about their lifestyle. Well, I do care about their lifestyle, but just products wise, you they make very good products, right? I mean, they're Part of the Intuition aren't even a blade company and they make the best liners in the game. So like there's there's arguments that you don't need to be a, a, a core brand to understand the needs of, of a market. Yeah. And I'll say this too. So I mean, this is maybe just talking about the future, but Loco already said they're doing something similar. Like when I started reaching out to skate shops, um, it opened my eyes in that 
I think in the future it will become a new standard of more two classes. I think there'll be the class of entry level skates that will be something like the loco skate, this new everything skate. There might be other companies working on similar things. I think we're just the first to the market out of people realizing that's an important market. Um, so though I think for the future, they'll be kind of, I think that will be very standard, a riveted non-customizable skate. That's we say entry level, but it, I mean, the components are still as good as any other skate. So yeah, they're still, they're still yeah. going to, they're going to function in the way that, yeah. Yeah. In, in yeah, but other... yeah. For the future though, I think that will be, it'll be a very common thing to have this skate or this type, every company, or maybe not every company, because some companies should stay core, like them or Mesmer or whatever standard. But a lot of companies will, I think, come out with that type of skate. We're just the first to do it, but it'll be there in the future. So, Also, if history has proven anything, is that the simple, the simplest silhouette or simplest design for skate tends to be the most effective, like the ones that have stood yeah. the test of time, the M12, the Cult, and yeah. look at what's happened with the Sway. The Sway started off as like a kind of skate that everyone went, oh, I'm not touching that. That's like a gross entry-level skate. And now it's become like half the USD Pro team prefer it because they're like, well, that it fits my need better than any of the other skates that they offer. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. So it, it could e very easily transition into being an entry skate into a skate that people go, wait a minute, this takes away quite a lot of my frustrations that I have for non-entry-level skates. Yeah, no, I think if there, there's definitely always going to be the overlap of even though it's entry-level, a lot of people are going to love it. So, including myself, I mean, it's, that's all I'm going to ride. It's great. So, yeah. Well, you know, if I saw you riding around in them or Razors after this, I'd be like, this guy doesn't even believe in his own product. That would be, yeah. The problem is we might come out with some fancy frame type of stuff in the future and it's like, yeah, I might be riding another boot for that. So Right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> right. I've taken up far too much of your time today. Thank you very much for asking all asking, answering all my annoying and at times stupid questions. Um I'll let you get on with enjoying the rest of your afternoon off. Well, it's probably not an afternoon off. You've probably got other side hustle jobs to do. A little bit, not too much. Not too much. Right. No, no skating today. No. Um, I actually might be able to. It's still pretty sunny. It's been really snowy lately, but I might skate after this. Right. Okay. I have a meeting. It's fine, but I think I got time before then. Nice. Right. Thank you very much for taking the time to do this, and oh, I okay. wish you the best luck. I can't wait to see what the finished product looks like, and yeah, all the best. Sweet. Likewise. Later. Right. Bye.